by alone inside. He's got the breakaway with the touch to the right. Go! your Minneapolis City Soccer Club, brought to you by Summit Brewing Company. Get your sports in while you can. This is the People's Pitch Podcast, the official podcast of your Minneapolis City Soccer Club. As always, I am your most handsome host, Nate, joined by my strapping young co-host, John Bisworm. John, just when you think soccer is here, one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse rears its ugly head. I mean, as you're you're reading that off, Nate, I'm currently sanitizing my hands. I'm wondering so. <laughs> are you just white, just Lysol wipes constantly? Yeah, you know, just like I, you do know, like one, those uh, up, do two, crumble it up. Right, you know, like how you have those wallets that have kind of like the money clip on the back of them. I just have like a running clip of just Lysol wipes in there mm-hmm. just to take on the road with me. But yeah, I mean, like you said, get your sports in while you can. Soon we're all going to be looking like Mr. Burns in that Simpsons episode where he turns into Howard Hughes. <laughs> anyway, this week, John, we could uh, dive into the laundry list. We could dive into the laundry list of PSL players, but we're instead going to wait on that for a hot minute. We're going to cover some soccer topics, less city focused, a little bit, um, a little bit more on the big stage uh, this week. So let's dive into some happenings in the game of soccer. Like, with the growing list of events uh, being canceled for fans, we're going to talk about what kind of impact that's going to have and how this might be something that affects the Crows. Uh, Our cousins across town started their season off hot, and we're going to give you some hot takes on that team in the early season. And then we're going to wrap the show up with our second installment of Where Are They Now? We'll bring in uh, one of the biggest personalities to ever wear the bird badge, Big Game James. Let's get after it, John. Let's do it. So, Nate, uh, as of just a few hours ago, if you're listening to this um, in a timely fashion, it was just handed down that on top of the growing list of match fixtures uh, from a soccer perspective across the world, um, one of the biggest tournaments in the world, March Madness, will be played behind closed doors, as well as the NBA season being put on suspension, which was handed down while we were doing the show, um, which I think all of that is, is kind of a travesty for sports fans in the country, you know, not to mention just the ramifications it has um, for, for the sport in general, but also on the local economy of, of the cities that host these things, you know, like me knowing what it takes to, to, to put on a lower level soccer game and how much it costs us not having fans directly impacts our bottom line. It would, it would, it's something that could bankrupt a team like Minneapolis city. If that, if that were to extend into the summer season, um, and then you look at on a larger scale, um, a tournament like March Madness, like that there's so many different cities and travel and infrastructure that's all involved in that. That's now not going to be there. Yeah. That, and, uh, that's a big hit. Right. And I mean, you, you look at like the closures so far, like I mentioned, hit some top flight um, matches in, in Italy and portions of Spain and Portugal, some champions league ties this week in France and Germany. And then the news out West in Seattle and the MLS um, will be closed off in Seattle for at least the rest of the month. 
Yeah, I mean, as we're, we were preparing for the show, you know, you and I kind of do our own separate research and work in the Google Doc together. Uh, I'm, do, you know, I was on Twitter like, oh, because I didn't, I hadn't heard that that March Madness thing was, uh, had had really happened. I was out to dinner with my with my family, and I opened Twitter up, and Danile Rugani from Juventus tested positive for coronavirus. So not mm-hmm. a, like so good thing they're canceling matches out in Italy. And then uh, right Ru- as we Rudy were typing Gobert. this up. Rudy Gobert from the Utah Jazz test positive, and the NBA suspends its entire season. That is huge. So, first off, Rudy Gobert, like, let's talk about asshole of the year. Apparently, when I was digging into it a little bit more, he went back to France for, like, a, I, I believe he went back during the All-Star break or maybe before the All-Star break, came back with what uh, essentially was the, was the, the coronavirus thought it was a cold, didn't report it to anyone, and then just slowly started to get worse. And then, so he had been trotting around playing basketball all over the country um, ill the whole time without having to report it. So report if you're not feeling well, people. (laughs) And then did you, did you see the video? I'm, I'm more of a Twitter guy than you are, but did you see the video of Fred Hoiberg on Twitter? No, I didn't. And a reporter from The Athletic said he was sitting like eight rows behind him and Hoiberg left the game. Like, you know, Hoiberg on the bench, looking like he's literally dying. He's got his head in his hands, uh, sick as a dog, and then ends up leaving the game in the middle of it. Like, this is for real, man. It's uh, sports locker rooms and the sports world in general is so, um, I mean, I would, I would, it's not, it's not super, it's not super sanitary. So, <laughs> right. So right. it's, it's only natural that, uh, that, you know, it's going to start, start getting people sick, but, uh, this is nuts. So what what's your what's your take on on how something like this has has started to and and I I really can say for the first time in my lifetime affect sporting events. Like there's yeah. nothing that's ever been like this. Yeah. I mean I've in the last 5 hours I've moved from uh mildly annoyed but to completely understanding and thankful. Like right now it, it and even earlier tonight it might have felt a bit off to you know to to act this drastically to cancel all these matches to cancel like but it feels like it's the right thing to do at this point like when you look at how quickly the coronavirus has spread in Italy in Europe and you take into account everything they were hearing from the World Health Organization and the CDC it all makes sense i think the big problem of course is the conflicting information that we're getting from the top, right? Where uh, 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 on one hand, the president is out there saying it's going to pass quickly. As soon as the weather warms up, everyone's going to feel better. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. It's not a huge deal to, on the other hand, now, some of the major organizations in the world are shutting down operations or holding them only behind closed doors. So it's very much a bummer if you are an NBA fan or if the United even gets canceled on Sunday, or maybe that my double game week didn't quite pan out in, in fantasy Premier League like I was hoping to. Um, <laughs> like I, I kept into Bamiyang and was hoping for two games out of him, but whatever. But <laughs> but it's it's these are definitely some short-term emotions that I'm dealing with that are lined up against the potential of like my 75-year-old dad getting sick and dying mm-hmm. or my baby daughter, so I'm going to get over it. My take is that this is really very weird. Um, and like you noted, I, I totally get the fact that, you know, of what's being done, and it's to remove the potential exposure of like a mass amount of fans in one location. 
um, you know, from affecting them to something that can be extremely harmful. Um, but I, I'm also not a fearful person regarding this whole thing, um, you know, that's attacking the globe. And, and, and I won't move into like the fear category until it starts directly reflecting my life. Um, you know, so if it's no longer safe for me to leave my house altogether, now we're talking. Um, but, <laughs> but, but like, mass hysteria, right? Like, or or if if we if our open cup game you know, doesn't, doesn't end up happening. Um, you know, that's directly reflecting me and I, I, I totally get that. But I, I think during this time of fear and, and fear is a real thing. Um, the one thing that people really can rally around and use as an escape um, for the less than ideal things in life it, it is sports. So mm-hmm. it totally sucks that there's, there's no longer going to be that outlet for people to see their minds off of things, um, you know, in the media and just enjoy their passion for a few hours to, to get their minds off of all the other stuff going on. So it's funny. I was reading, I've been reading a lot tonight about it and obviously the NBA canceling stuff, Mark's Madness can't, um, operating behind closed doors is very, very strange, but the, March Madness itself uh, or, or will be totally televised, so that's great. Um, NBA will still be around and will make its money back on the back end off of, you know, when they start up again. And, of course, their lucrative television contract. But the MLS might not cancel games because mm-hmm. it might be – Because nobody like, goes to them anyways. Until it's absolutely necessary because they don't have that, like, super cushy – what I'm reading on The Athletic is they might not have that super cushy TV deal to fall back on. Mm-hmm. that they're going to get paid off of at the end of the year. So it's like you, they, these teams need that revenue to stay solvent uh, of game day. So it's going to be really interesting to see how some of these, once, once we get past the businesses that can absorb the hit or that are big enough, <clears throat> uh, you know, big enough institutions to be able to go offline for a little bit and come back successfully. It, it'll be interesting to see who, who makes that leap. But, but I agree with you. It's definitely going to suck. Um, for especially I'm thinking about the college kids right who are going to really experience a very strange atmosphere when they're used to they're used to roaring fans pep bands cheerleaders right and all of a sudden how surreal you're playing in an empty arena with maybe 250 people uh, you know just the coach yelling at you and the squeaking of your shoes have you John ever in your soccer life at a higher level played in front of no fans and I'm not talking about you know of course when you're a kid you're playing for your parents basically and your family members are in high school. You toss in a, you know, five, 10 people in the stands. It doesn't get that, doesn't get that crazy, but at advanced levels, unless you're like heiress, you're going to get fans at games. Has that ever, has that ever happened to you to play a game with nobody, nobody in the crowd? Well, funny enough on the road in Germany, we didn't get a ton of people really knocking down the doors to watch a reserve team play. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I suppose. um, But typically we had, we had fans um, specifically at home. We, we would get, you know, close to, to selling out our reserve team games, which was awesome to be part of. Um, but there was one week where we traveled to Firth, um, which, which is now in the second division, the Bundesliga, um, where there was an unusual outbreak of measles that kind of ran right through that town. Um, and it, it sounds funny that measles would take down a town, right? In the, in, in the modern medicine era. Yeah. Um, but it was so serious that it basically shut down the entire city. And the only um, thing that transit was moving for was to get us to the match, um, to, to get there. And, and it was really odd because um, what made it even 
I think more odd to me was the fact that, like you mentioned, it was a large venue. I would say maybe, maybe like a 10 to 12,000 seat stadium. Um, and then there isn't a, that crowd buzz that you can feed off of that you typically have. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and usually it's, it's extremely hard for you to even hear yourself think, um, let alone, you know, speak to a teammate during a game because you can't hear each other from across the field, but you can hear everything. Um, you know, your mind starts to wander. You can hear the players on the bench talking to each other, coaches talk, talking about instructions that aren't really the normal, like barking and yelling it to the, to the field. Um, the rest talking to each other, talking to players, um, all that stuff. It's, it's really almost like you're playing in a graveyard. Yeah. I, I couldn't imagine what that, what that's like at all. Um, it's just a matter of time, John, until we're going to get word, or I should say, is it just a matter of time? until we get word that the U.S. Open Cup is going to close the doors for our match versus uh, FC United Chicago United in two weeks. Maplebrook. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a very real possibility that we, we travel and play in, in front of clo- uh, a closed crowd of um, just players and staff and kind of essential club personnel and maybe even a limited number of, of family, um, you know, or worst case scenario, we, we don't have it all together. My, my only hope at our level is that there's not like a total shit the bed scenario where USSF waits until the last minute to decide. And then lower level clubs like, like ourselves are on the hook for the travel costs that, or the, you know, the penalties for canceling our travel and, yeah. and, and, you know, they, they could have gotten refunded if they made the decision potentially earlier um, you know, then canceling it late in the day, which, you know, is the worst case scenario. Cause like I mentioned, you know, like it, everyone's in the, on the plane or in the car already. Yeah. Or like it's at, at halftime. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then again, this is the USSF and the U S open cup who does not really uh, have a, <laughs> so have a get in the match called up at halftime. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that is a possibility. So, I mean, we'll, we'll continue to keep everyone informed on what's going on, but we're, we're preparing business as usual until we're told not to. Well, enough sickness, John. Let's talk about medicine. Have you tried Lunesta? <laughs> I have not. Mostly, two games... because, mostly because of the side effects. <laughs> well, two games in, it looks like this is a whole new era of offensive dominance for our loons. Eight goals across two games from everywhere on the field. That is not a Minnesota United team that we are used to. Uh, have you been watching the early games, and are you as floored as I am? Well, I, yeah, I've seen both. Pleasantly games. floored. I'll call myself pleasantly floored. Um, I, I've I've seen both games, um, uh, and I I was also pleasantly surprised to see, um, you know, what they were what they were putting on the field. I think from a defensive standpoint, um, that's pretty much business as usual um new goalkeeper and they're not letting in a ton of goals still not bad yeah so not bad there i know i know he's he's a quality he was a quality pickup i mean they spent a good amount of allocated money to get him when the whole veto thing went to shit um <clears throat> excuse me but uh, i think that from a from a uh, a midfield and a in an attacking you know maybe front four type perspective um i i am pleasantly surprised i, I think their 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 new pickup up top uh, Amarilia is is all all of the, the the pieces of being the real deal that they said he was. Um, I, I think it's it's the perfect combination of what they were missing up top for the past few years, where you're getting kind of a younger version of 
um, of uh, Christian Ramirez, but you're also getting someone who has more ability to to break someone down one on one, like you might have gotten a little bit from uh, Abu Dunlandi. Um, obviously, he doesn't have the the, the the you know the the sizzling pace, um, but he but he has the ability to you know to to attack a player and beat them with his foot skills, and he's fantastic in the air, which is what we saw out of Rodriguez. So you're kind of getting a a hybrid mix of all the attacks. This is what we had hoped to see out of Rodriguez. Right, exactly. But Rodriguez was well beyond that in his career. Uh, yeah. But I, I think that the, the one piece that's that's not linking it together for me is uh, is the Kevin Molino at the 10. Um, I, I don't see him as the primary playmaker. Um, it's hard to fill the shoes of a guy like Darwin because he, he was yep. so special. Um, but they're getting goals and they're getting service more from the outside in which speaks to their strengths. Uh, you know, I'm definitely going to pat, pat Adrian Heath on the back and, and he now, I, I can see it now. I can see the past, you know, three years, he was working off of other people's players and he really only had a few of his own type of guys in there. And it took him a while to kind of find the right cocktail. And, and as he started to take over the duties of being able to select the players he wants versus maybe someone else that I won't name that was in charge of uh, bringing, bringing the talent in, um, you can see that his style of play is starting to to work, but I will yeah. caveat that they, they didn't necessarily play against the LAFCs of the world. Um, so we'll have to see what happens True. when they do. But I think I think that uh, I saw a quote from Finley today or yesterday that said, you know, we may not be the best team in the league, but we are absolutely in the top half. And we can beat the best in the league on any given day. And I think that's 100% true, where in the past it was you are not even in the middle half of the league and uh, you are not hoping to hang on. Yeah, you're hoping to hang on. Um, and then, you know, last year I think it was a little bit of a squeak job to get into the playoffs with all that was going on with injury. Um, but I think this year is a different story. Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> things I want to touch on that you mentioned uh, first, of course, Amaria really decent up top. I think even though he looks like Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray. <laughs> he does every morning. <laughs> um, I, I agree. <laughs> I like what he brings. I think, um, like you said, uh, Heath's into it. And he, you can tell you, I've heard Heath in interviews talk about what he values out of him. And it's the same things that kept Ramirez successful for a while, that he's real wily in the box. He's got great positioning. Um, but what he does is also um, actually score, unlike someone like uh, Angelo did. So it's nice to have kind of a best of best of three worlds striker. Mm-hmm. We'll see if he's, we'll see how if he'll continue to light it up or not. Um, well, he'll start to get man marked a little bit, yeah. and they'll start to maybe you know push. Well, San Jose is a man marking team, and everyone's just kind of they, you know, but they didn't they left everyone alone basically. Right. I think yeah. I think that was some early season issues there because um, San Jose was not as bad as they played against Minnesota. Um, but he'll start. He'll start to see some people, some extra bodies shifting over to his side, and and then I think that 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 individual skill where he'll be able to kind of be slippery to get out of situations might might start oh. to help out. But um, it, the proof is definitely still out there that he's he's got to do it against a better defense. I think you're right with Molino as far as like a number ten that distributes the ball. He's he might not be the guy, but I, again in this system, I'm not sure that that's what what Heath is trying to do. It feels like you've got that's what Grey Goose is for. 
Right. And right. like you said, you're getting a lot of service from the or from the wings. Uh, for, yeah, and from you know defensive wingers too, Metinair and Gasper. So it's like, uh, you know, is is he really just an extra attacker? And if he yeah. is, then that then I'm happy with that. What are you, what are your thoughts? Um, <clears throat> your thoughts on what they're doing with the guys on their bench? Um, yes, you know, and leaving off like a designated player from your travel list um, without any reported injury or reason for him not to be at least in the 18 when you're spending that type of money. Yeah, again, I think like you said, he's finally starting to get his guys, and I don't know if I'm really that into adrian heath as a person but it seems like yeah <laughs> he's won the battle of of personnel mm-hmm. decision making and it, it's where it seems to be working out and that might mean for a while that he's still got some kinks to work out when it comes to guys that he might not be 100 percent sold on still well i mean i'm a huge fan of his son so i really <laughs> wish <laughs> okay so Total aside, did you, so I watched some, so sitting around with a baby in your lap means that you're watching whatever's on TV and I'm watching like be in sports on a Monday night at nine to watch like the recap of this week's La Liga games because it's the only thing I can stomach at the the time, right? I can watch it on mute and not worry about it. And all of a sudden on comes the Ray Hudson show. Did you know Ray Hudson has a show? I did. Magisterial is what it's called. Did I tell the story already? No, you didn't, but I know know the show. So I'm I'm like okay this is hilarious so I'm watching Magisterial because he's obviously just the biggest caricature in, in <laughs> uh, sports announcing, and and he's kind of like in the foreground of his set which looks like uh, a comic book by the way like it looks like the pages of a comic book but anyway so he's in the foreground of his set and he's talking he's opening his show up and in the back in like dimly lit kind of like they haven't turned the lights on yet is his guest and I'm looking at him and I'm thinking is that adrian fucking heath <laughs> and he turns the lights on and there lo and behold there's adrian heath and i'm like why is ray hudson got adrian heath on his magisterial show on bn sports with zero ties to the mls and then i realized his co-host is harrison heath's wife yep <laughs> <laughs> so it all's coming together they're like ray we gotta get your show off the ground and we need some legitimate soccer talent to show up and talk soccer and uh, because his his next guest was some um, some wrestler that like BN Sports is trying to start a wrestling league. <laughs> oh God! And you can tell Ray. Anyway, so Harrison Heath and his wife are doing just fine, uh, getting their dad on on TV shows in in BN Sports. <laughs> no, Moral no story. further comment. Uh, as far as the as far as the rest of the attack, John, uh, I I do wonder what they're doing with their bench and really why some guys are sitting on the bench and some guys are on the field. Uh, because th- there's a guy on the field as a consistent starter that scored his first goal in 700 minutes with the club. Um, and that came off of a, a rebound off a saved PK. And this is after he missed two sitters in the opener and just like not missing a beat from, from last season where he consistently blew wide open shots. I guess my real question, John is why is Lud? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not quite sure about that one. Um, I've seen him play internationally, and he offers a totally different game. And I don't know if, if he falls into the camp of the, of the European-type player who wanted to get out of wherever he was and move to a better situation and then just doesn't give a shit. 
Um, and the MLS has seen a ton of those, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, back in like the late nineties, early two thousands, the league was littered with guys that from, from foreign countries that did not care. And just trying to move to America and yeah. have a running toilet and like get a paycheck that doesn't bounce. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and that's, a, it's a real thing that players have to go through. And I, I think that it's, it's true in the case from a positive perspective for a lot of young South American players. Um, which you know, I mean, yep. look at look, look mm-hmm. at Al Maron. Like his situation before he came, before he really came on the scene, um, you know, before he got to the MLS was really bad. Where you know he was in a terrible part of the of, of the country, wasn't getting paid, like poverty stricken throughout his family, and then you know he moved to the United States, and now he's in the Premiership. So I think that's a positive side of it. But the negative side is like maybe a guy like Lode just doesn't really care. And he's doing just enough to stay on the radar of his national team coach. And then he goes and plays well there. And then he comes back into to the Minnesota United group and, and just kind of goes through the motions. But, I mean, it, it's hard to deny that he's got – that he doesn't have skills because you can see it. It's just like – it's I think it's like a work ethic type thing maybe. Or or it's just not a good fit. But, you know, we, we, we joke all the time about how many more outside midfielders are they going to sign – well, they have a couple on the bench that they probably could try out, or you could get a guy yeah. like Hassani Dotson could play out wide. Um, you have options, so I don't know why he's why he's getting the minutes and, and why they're they're paying so much for him. When they're you look across the league, and there's bench players that are better than him across other teams that are will be itching at the chance to start for a team like Minnesota. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Uh... But other, you know, I'm I'm gonna keep watching. Obviously, I'm gonna keep watching. I'm a season ticket holder. I'm looking forward to Sunday's game if it doesn't get canceled. Uh, and I hope to uh, I hope to see Minnesota United continue this success throughout, uh, you know, throughout the season. We'll see how it goes. I, I like I like the direction that we're that we're moving in. I I would agree. I would agree. I'm I'm pre- pleasantly surprised with how things are going. I, I hope it continues because good soccer in this area helps all of us, even the little guy across the river. Word. We put out the call to our fans for the series we like to call Where Are They Now? There were two big personalities that were on top of that list. We've already spoken to one of them and Andy Laurie. And if you haven't listened to that show yet, um, do so because it's a complete gut buster. Absolutely hilarious. But this time we have another guy who just brought his A game with wit to everything he was involved in along, along with his A game on the pitch. And that is the one and only Big Game James Nair. Mr. Big Game, welcome to the show, man. Welcome back. Dude, guys, thanks for having me. Really excited. Yes, James, before we dive into all the good stuff, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't introduce you to maybe some fans that weren't around uh, when you were here or may not remember you, remember you that well. Um, you are a graduate of Carleton College. That is, of course, a proud Mayak school. Oh, yeah. where you were an absolute legend during the glory days of Carlton. Um, their website is down, so we couldn't pull your career <laughs> stats. So that's going to be a theme going through this whole thing. But be- before graduating uh, Carlton, you played uh, – before graduating with Carlton, you played, what, four years yep. there? Yep, Starting four years. all four years? Started all four, correct. And you moved, we went on uh, after graduation – to play with the Internationals FC, now known as Stegman 77, along with Timmy Wills? With Timmy Wills, Ryan Camerata, Evan Olsen, AO, the whole squad. So a lot of the original guys that uh, came nice. on for City. 
did you play with Tim at Carlton too? Yeah, I overlapped with Timmy for two years, I think. He was a sophomore. And then McGarity? McGarity then came in. I, I forgot about McGarity almost. Yeah, and then McGarity came in my <laughs> senior year and just, like, shocked us with his <laughs> – it was like I had two guys to put, like, you know, 20-plus goals away a season, which is pretty helpful. That, that, yeah, that helps a lot when you're a goalkeeper. Yeah, don't have to do much. We win by a lot. <laughs> don't need those You stats. can show up drunk. You can show up drunk and be totally, and be totally fine. Like, yeah, I let three pass, yeah, but, whatever. but whatever. We scored five. We scored five. We, we, we won. <laughs> so you you uh, you joined up with the internationals, uh, which is now known as Stegman seventy seven, and that really is how you were introduced to Minneapolis City. Mm-hmm. You joined the team, appearing in ten games over three years. Probably the. Uh, biggest most important stretch of those being the beginning of the 2018 season yeah. um and you went nine and one in your in your time with us logging um over 700 minutes between the sticks and we we keep telling minneapolis city to keep goalkeeper stats and they don't um so let's just say nine shutouts and one goal against there we go yeah i'll take that i mean the one time the one loss was just a single goal at best. Yeah, I mean, th- that sounds pretty good to me. It sounds like every stat is accurate all across my career. More shutouts than goals in, you know? So I'll take it. I mean, since the site's What do you want to do? Since the site's down <laughs> at Carlton, I'll, we'll just make them up. Right, exactly. I don't think you got any goal score on you at Carlton, according to the website. Exactly. Um, I'll tell the sports information department. <laughs> so we'll, we'll obviously get into some other stuff here with you in a bit, but we can start out the series of interviews. Um, with a kind of a do you remember story? So, so James, do you remember the most epic post game interview ever caught on film of all time that took place after the 5 0 thrashing of Dakota Fusion at Osseo High School? Uh, you were part of it, but if you remember it, why was it so memorable? Oh, because I was repping Little Caesars like a champ. I'm pretty sure, right? <laughs> Is that the one you're talking about? I, I can't remember, but I feel like I was just munching on a piece of pizza throughout the interview. That was exactly why. Okay, and, yeah. And then, and then also to, to top that off, you were having side conversations with people that walked by. Yeah. So it was, <laughs> it was just a, a total calamity of, of, uh, of a interview because your mouth's half full with little Caesars. You're talking about just stomping a team as we did. Yeah. Um, and then people are walking by and you're like, yeah, Hey man, what's up? Good game. Good game. Well, it was, it was, I think the biggest thing is with the logic of that is we need to move the interviews away from the locker room because I have like that attention deficit disorder where it's like I'm eating, I'm having my stomach beer, and then like people are looking up for dabs, so I have to just show the love. So that's my my issue. I just love the team too much. That's <laughs> fair. I want to take you back to that game, James, because uh, if I remember right, this was the, was this the first game played at Osseo High School. Right, first game of the season. It was uh, the second for, game. Second yeah, game played at Osseo. At home? Okay. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, and, and I remember, like, you made an amazing save, and then turned. we turned around immediately uh, on the ensuing run of play and, and scored, and then the wheels came off for Dakota. Is that how the game went? Do you remember the game going like that? I really do remember that. Like, so the story about that is it was this weird reaction save. I think it was off a corner or across. And yep. there's like a photo of it somewhere. One of the photographers caught it. And I just look like I'm like, like sticking my arm up and just swatting at the ball. It was a quick reaction save. And then if I remember, I think McGarity scored early. It was McGarity or Whitney. But um, yeah, then we kind of, that was a big save. And then after that, we just started pumping them past them. So it was a pretty fun game. So that was it for Dakota. Dakota. And I remember, I remember at the time attributing that 
that pylon basically to that because it, up until that point up until your save i think the game could have really felt like it was going either way we couldn't we didn't really know what dakota was going to do this year they were coming off of a very successful 2017 um where they went to the npsl playoffs if i remember right mm-hmm. and so we're thinking that this is going to be a this is going to be a serious matchup to start the city season or at the start of the city season and uh turned into a total route and I'm going to say on the back of your reaction save, the team pulled itself up, gathered itself from the back line forward, and stomped on some necks, thanks to big game James. Dude, and I also got to say is, is that, you know, when you have, like, the likes of McGarity, Whitney, a great midfield, it was – we had some firepower on that team. That was pretty amazing. We always have had good scores, but that year especially, I think early on before some injuries happened, especially defensively being solid, part of their success that season is we had guys that could just put goals in. How could I forget about Will Kidd? I mean, it was like we had a front three that were unstoppable. So so catch us up quick on what you've been up to since you stepped away uh, before the beginning of last season. Oof. So I uh, moved to Chicago to pursue my passion for eyes. So I'm in optometry school. I'm in my <laughs> second year. Um, going pretty well i've only had my butt kicked a few times but um (laughs) learning a lot about eyes and um living in chicago which has been pretty exciting so we we like to tell all the alumni that that uh come to the show that you know when you're when you're hugely successful with the uh you know a bustling optometry clinic you know definitely don't forget (laughs) about the little guy who uh who needs that that five hundred dollar that five hundred dollar sponsorship goes a long way Oh, I, I, I see um, at the, the 4th of July Monk Tournament, there's a Boo Eye Clinic on a bunch of jerseys. <laughs> and uh, I expect to have the Nair Eye Clinic maybe competing with that Summit sponsorship. We'll see. I mean, I know the people who you can talk to about that. <laughs> I'll talk to you. I'll talk you to better... Herman. <laughs> <laughs> you got to bring some strong logo game, though, if you're going to. Yeah. Otherwise, we're going to look like some sort of like EPL2 team. <laughs> Yeah, we, we don't want that at all. I mean, some of it's a pretty legit yeah. logo. They got a legit logo. So we'd have to work with the maybe Minneapolis City graphic design department and maybe put something together, a mock draft. But So, James, talk to us a little bit about your soccer journey. Um, obviously, we kind of touched briefly on the latter half with you landing at Stegman's and, and then finding your way to Minneapolis City. But give us the story of how you started in the game here in Minnesota. That's an interesting question. Um, you know, for me, it's like it all started when I moved back to the States. So for people I didn't know, I lived abroad. I was lucky enough to grow up in Brazil and England and uh, got to grow up in two like soccer fanatic countries. And when I moved back to the States in 2001, I was playing soccer and joined up with the likes of Bangu Tsunami for some of the old school Minnesota folk that know that squad and uh, was coached by Robbie Zoll and kind of moved from there to um, join forces with Blackhawks. Um, around 16 um, and was coached by Yosef Darbaki, who the Maple Book Twin Fury Stars or whatever they are now. Um, <laughs> like, I don't even know what they are anymore if they're even playing. But uh, so I, I grew up playing, you know, with a lot of the local guys, some guys that played on Stegman 77 when I became an adult. And then three of my best <laughs> friends that I went to Carlton with. So that was that was pretty special um, playing youth soccer with guys for over, you know, almost 10 to 15 years. That, uh, 
there's a lot of that going around these guys, you know, you're playing youth soccer with kind of a lot of the same guys coming up with a lot of the same guys. Um, did you find yourself playing alongside any Minneapolis city players that you had played with in the past, or was it mostly lining up against guys that you were familiar with? Uh, Whitney's the number one for sure. Whitney Brown and I, um, play, he played wings. I played Bangu. So I've known and played against him since I was almost 12, 13 years old, which is pretty amazing. Um, that's only one from, city but then you have a lot of the um the carlton guys and then a lot of the segment 77 guys that i grew up like brian rosenthal just gave me a call for recommendation on best pizza spots in chicago so <laughs> i mean it's just like a small world when i'm still talking to a guy that i knew when i was 12 years old now i'm almost 29 so well i think you you probably yeah, probably tussled a little bit with some of the other guys that were on city in your Mayak days. I mean, guys like Charlie Adams oh. at, at Gustavus. Yep. Um, Char- <clears throat> and maybe, uh, maybe was, did you, did you cross over with, with Wexler at all? Um, when he I was crossed, at Augsburg? When I was a freshman, I have a funny story about Wexler. It, it's, oh, it's appropriate to the So <laughs> sexy Wexy was, uh, he was, a, he was, he transferred from Providence and he yeah, was the Providence. big, yeah. big stud in the Mayak when I was a freshman. Everyone's like, all scared of this Ben Wexler guy. And I show up to the play Augsburg at home at Carlton. That's the first time we played him. And I'm starting. That was, I think, my second or third start. It was early in the season. And I look at this guy, and I'm like, he's not that tall. Like, I just was expecting, like, this big – we had just played Oshkosh, and they were six foot five, all, like, big, massive guys from Wisconsin. I was expecting some really intimidating winger. And uh, he was short, stout, and real good and quick. But he got in a tussle with uh, – one of our center backs who just laid it into him from like an expletive, you know, trash talking. And uh, years later, like when we're playing Stegman's, not 77, but like Winterly, uh, Wexler says, hey, Neil, you called me X, Y, Z. And it's just funny how that transcended like almost six or seven years. And Wexler <laughs> still remembered it and uh, was such a good guy about it, like acted like he was giving the shit to the guy holding a grudge against him, but didn't really care too much. So you uh, you mentioned uh, your time in the UK. Um, you have to dispel the rumor for us here, or validate it that validate uh, that it's it's true that you have a connection to a well known soccer family of goalkeepers that some folks in the Manchester and Leicester City area might be quite fond of. Oh, what? Yes. Um, so when I moved to the UK, my dad took it. He just took a job, and how it worked was his company gave him like you know a rental house. We didn't buy the house so we moved into this pretty nice little neighborhood and on that street i grew up with steve bruce and peter schmeichel were on the same street and so if people don't know like I'm, i know biz knows and nate you probably know but like og like mid 90s like manchester united red devils like through and through the great dane and the crazy steve bruce um but i think still coaches at newcastle now but long story short is i became really good friends with casper schmeichel a son of peter and we went to Hume Hall together, a school that's now defunct. I just found out um, from my parents who were just there. And um, no way. Yeah. Though. So I grew up, I mean, Cecilia Schmeichel, uh, Bentha Schmeichel, Peter, I don't see anymore. My parents haven't seen him in a long time because they got, he got divorced and remarried. Um, but my parents are very close with Bentha, his mom. And so when they go back, they get tickets to go to the King Power, which is pretty cool. I have yet to use that to my benefit. So did you guys play on the same team together, you and Casper? From from my recollection, being that young, all I remember is, is that we just 
we would get out in the backyard and he wasn't playing club soccer at that time. He, Hume Hall didn't have a school for that, like a school team at that age. And all I know is, is that when he moved, when his dad transferred or got uh, sold to Porto uh, in Portugal, he, um, he, uh, he just started playing then like organized soccer, but his dad would kick balls to us with like size 14 Roish, like massive gloves in the backyard. <laughs> and so those are some pretty fond memories I have of this guy. Just like, you know, we're, we're just, he's kicking a ball at you. And now he's, his son won an EPL championship, which is mind boggling to me. Well, and I mean, it wasn't like your run of the mill soccer. That is all- it was like the most legendary goalkeeper at United in a long list of legendary goalkeepers. Yeah. Still to this day, like if anyone's to tell me any modern, like Manuel Neuer, Gigi Buffon, like my favorite all time will be Peter Schmeichel. Like still one of the most, if you, if anyone here has, doesn't know what I'm talking about, look up a YouTube video that you'll be just like awestruck by just pure, just aggression. And that's how I styled my play. And that's why I got hurt. <laughs> Dude, seeing him up in, up in the stands, up in the box, watching, uh, Casper in the World Cup. The guy looks like he could still get out there and Dude, play. He, 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 I bet he could too. I, I, I bet he could. He's so like, he, I think he's enjoyed his life away from football because he does a lot of commentating and stuff. But if he got between the sticks, he would be a scary presence for the Minneapolis <laughs> back line. That's <laughs> I, I remember before we move on, I remember, I remember reading something that. He actually used to to purposely wear an oversized goalkeeper shirt, so he looked even bigger when he was coming out of the goal. I don't know yeah. if, if if that ever came across any. Uh, <laughs> the wind would yeah. catch it like some sort of frilled yeah, lizard. So if, if you go and, if you go and look up, you know Peter Schmeichel on on YouTube, like you mentioned, James, and you look at the guy, he looks even more massive than he is because his shirt's like a triple XL. Yeah. And we have a bunch of those jerseys, which are pretty funny. My, so my sister was born, has the same birthday as Peter. And so he really took a liking to my baby sister, who doesn't really remember much. But um, he gave, like, a box of all these promo jerseys. We have a Danish, I think, like, Euro 96, like, one of the jerseys he probably wore when, whenever the, uh, Denmark won the Euros. We have a whole bunch of jerseys, and they're massive, that my sister has <laughs> hoarded because we're not allowed to have them because they were given to her. So, so, so it, it's it's hard for a goalkeeper to get recognition unless he's obviously standing on his head or just kind of <clears throat> running through a win streak with a club. But I really feel like your kind of welcoming out party to the Minneapolis City fans was um, the win you helped pick up at home, which was the first game of the season in 2018 against Med City. When I think <clears throat> you probably made around 10 to 12 saves, including I think a, a, another line saving. Um, save that helped us preserve the win um, and really did get us on the way to jumpstart our uh, our undefeated season. Would you say that's maybe your best game as a crow, or was there another one that stands out to you? <sighs> you know, that's probably my my most memorable game because I do remember being under pressure like early on, and like it's always funny as a goalkeeper because you're always fighting those nerves and it's a mental battle. Like a lot of people don't really understand that you're sitting back there and you're the last guy in defense, and when you know, team's a little bit slow to start the first like 10, 15 minutes and they're throwing stuff at you, they're just running down and whipping crosses. And then once you make a save or two and you kind of find that rhythm, you build that confidence. That was the game that I felt like I progressed a ton and it, it showed throughout. And so that would probably be my most memorable. One of my favorite games though is, is that Duluth game around the 4th of July. Um, 
up in up at Duluth um, where we played. And it was just like an aggressive battle. And I think we tied one, one. And mm-hmm. it was um, just because who doesn't like lining up, lining up against the guys from Duluth and, you know, just going like in a slow brawl, despite the result not being a win. That was really fun just because I, I, I like playing Duluth. I'd love to beat them any day of the week. <laughs> we all do. I know. It's like, it's, you got to. Med City's a close second, but I'd have to say from a competition standpoint, Duluth is always going to be a fun rivalry to go and be in a matchup for. It's the fan favorite too, yeah. especially the, especially now that Twin Stars are are out of the league. Um, you know, it's it's the one that everyone can get can get fired up for. Yeah. We love to hate yeah, the league. I think man. it's partially that their fans, you know, just love to hate them too. But they're good at bantering back, and they start, you know. They create that atmosphere of animosity between the clubs, and I think that's also good for you know building a prosperous rivalry. Yep, absolutely. So next up is the uh, the I guess million dollar question: Is there going to be more soccer in your future, or are have you bronzed the gloves and mounted them on the mantle next to uh, next to your big mouth oh, Billy big Bass? Mouth Billy Bass. I'm not allowed to have that in my current residence with my. <laughs> current roommate i wish i could that'd be pretty nice nor would i would be allowed to put any of my soccer stuff up but um that's because she's an interior designer you know no i don't think so i've i've actually joined up with a club down here um you know as as i slow down the classwork where i'm just getting my butt kicked every day just studying 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 i i've started picking up more and more games which has been really really fun and uh you know i'm gonna play as long as i can um and as long as long as my schedule allows me, that is yeah. awesome. Uh, what, what's what's the uh, amateur soccer scene like down there in Chicago? From what I can tell, it's variable. Like there's so many people here in Chicago that you you can just bump yeah. into like a gnarly baller on a Friday night at you know pickup out at Montrose Beach, which I have, and I've just been like, where is this guy coming from? To like we play in the Chicago Fire. Um, uh, association rec league or something like that. And, um, depending on where you're at in the league, uh, and how things are situated, you can have, you know, a, a team that's really bad, or you can have a team that's really, really good. It's, it's very variable. That's what I found. I think it's dependent on who's in what league. So seeing this is our, our fifth anniversary, uh, and, and you were, you know, really around in one way, shape or form since the beginning um, being kind of adjacent with the Stegman's organization. Um, tell us what being a member of the Crows meant, meant to you in your time with us. Oh, man. Am I still am – I'm still a crow, right? You are – once a crow, <laughs> well, always a crow, man. There we go. No, I mean, it, it's it's like – I guess I'll put it bluntly. I – it was – it is and always will be one of my favorite teams I've played on. I've played on a lot of really great teams. But I think it was just kind of like the spontaneity of the organization and, you know, you, Dan, Nate, everyone behind the scenes, uh, you know, everyone. Um, that's what made it special. And it was I'll always cherish that. Um, but I also think, though, that, like, I'm always going to be a crow. And for and by that, I mean, like, I wear my Minneapolis City gear every day to class, my hats, my sweatshirts. And so I'm always thinking about the team. So it's never far from my mind, especially when I go on Twitter, too. <laughs> do yeah. you did you get any looks wearing your city gear and one's like oh look at that hot shit <laughs> you know i think people are just kind of normalized by it now i think they're normalized to it because it's like oh james is wearing his fourth <laughs> city hat uh he's, he's you know it's like 
he's he's going through the rotation. It's Thursday, so he's going to wear his black uh, classic pro hat. Um, <laughs> but I do get questions. People people do at my at my school ask, and people on the street have asked. You know, um, there is a lot of interest in amateur soccer, and you know, with the rebranding of Chicago Fire, and as hilarious as that is. Um, you, you bump into a lot more soccer fans when you're out and about. And when I do wear my hat, I do be like, hey, this is a team that I used to play for. I give them the whole nine yards and why they should be a city fan and look at lower lower tier soccer. Well, they're going to have a, a chance to see it, hopefully, uh, live pretty soon. Um, yeah. I think we'll, 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 we'll put a capper on on, uh, on our conversation here before we get into a, a little game here. Um, okay. We talked a little bit about the Med City game, uh, but what – you know, there, there has to be many others, but what's your favorite story or memory uh, of being a member of the club? And, and I like the caveat that this is a safe space. So feel free to, uh, to peel, space. peel back the onion a little bit if you'd like. You know, I loved going to Sioux Falls. I don't know what it is about that road trip, <laughs> but that road trip always, I feel like every time I made it, it always came back with success. Um, from, you know, getting on the field as a forward. That's something else you need to put in your stat book. I did get four or five minutes. <laughs> you did. Field, almost got through behind the back line. So I, I remember good. it like it, like it was yesterday. I, I had to coach the team because of uh, yes. some, some travel issues with coaches. And I yeah. also believe that we only had a left. The reason why was because we only had 12 players. And yeah. then and you came on um, and you actually drove, I believe, from your family's like summer yeah. cabin to like yeah. back and forth to be there and i didn't have ac and my muffler was broken so i was driving with the windows down just like it was it was a wild wild adventure so i <laughs> that was the last road trip i took in that car but then obviously like the shenanigans that happened after that those are some of the fun but like celebrating a win with the guys you know and it, that's that was those are some of my best best memories just you know cracking a few summits kicking back and uh having more than a couple summits and then eating at some random place. That's always a hilarious trip. Cause they're like, why are all these 20 something year old dudes like here on a Saturday <laughs> night in Sioux Falls? So <laughs> also my, I just, another memory popped up with is the Des Moines menace. Uh, that's another favorite memory. I almost forgot about that where I came back from my knee injury and got out. And then uh, me and Biz sneaking into Hodeman's room to grab a cooler beer at like probably like three 30 in the morning. So. <laughs> we literally drank all of the summit, all of it. It was gone. It was so much fun. <laughs> uh, I do, I do remember that. That was that was a fun trip. That was actually your only loss as a yes. as a member of the organization. But yeah. we were also playing against. I, I think I counted. I was talking with Goose the other day. We were talking about that that game, and I think I counted that the Des Moines Menace, after Luke getting drafted, had uh, had sixteen MLS players that got <laughs> drafted one way or oh another God. on that team. That was yeah. That's incredible, actually. Wow. I think it was like a three-to-one loss where yeah. that one guy scored all three goals. <laughs> yeah, the guy that just came in and just rocketed him by it. But it was, a, it, was a, it was a competitive game. That loss doesn't fun. even count. It's not even a regular season loss. That's an, that's an exhibition loss. Regular season. Yeah. Right. All right, yeah. so so you're 9-0. and 9-0, and there we go. Well, James, we, um, we've had lots of games on the show. You've joined us on the show before. <laughs> we've had some games. We play games on the show over the last – over the four years okay. we've been we've been doing this, but our newest game to call "Ask John Anything." Speaking of being in a safe space, you can ask John two questions about anything. That could be soccer related. It could be something like which one of his kids he loves more. 
And if John answers them both, the game is over. Um, however, if he pleads the fifth on any que on any question, he will have to answer your next one. So, uh, and he do, he must answer them truthfully. Obviously, is the uh, is the other caveat here. So, does that make sense? Basically, it's uh, oh, that... try to try to get him squirming right away, and then <laughs> see if you can sneak one Max, past him in Max, question number two. Max. Max Stegor did a pretty good job of me squirming last last time we had him on the show. So, see, I'm like, I'm like, when I get on this podcast, I feel like I'm like, if for the fans that don't know me very well, like you have to find me, get buy me a beer outside. Like if we were drinking whiskey right now, guys, I could dive, dive a little bit deeper. But, um, <laughs> I've got some idea. You know what I mean? It's just you got to get the you got to get yeah, the yeah. loose a little bit. But uh, yeah, yeah. But um, okay, I got the rules. I just I wonder what Stiggy asked you. I have to go back and listen to that. One. <laughs> this was great. Stiggy's got a he's, yeah. Stiggy's an interesting cat. Um, so I my first one I'll start off with is why'd you name your son after me? <laughs> um, well, the the truthful answer is he was not named after you. Uh, but we have the same name. So yes. I'm, I'm so just... for those for those of you who don't know, my my youngest son's name is Frederick, and he was born in 2018. So there could be a correlation with you coming onto the scene and and there starting out hot, um, and then he was born. But um, he's is actually not named after you. You just happen to share uh, <laughs> Frederick as your first name. Ah oh, man, I was hoping. I feel like though that there has to be some correlation because who names their child Frederick? In <laughs> like, I do. You know, yeah, you do. You do. Ball, baller. Yeah. At least you do, he doesn't have like a Frederick, like Frederick the Third, like I am, and trying to do my taxes is like pulling teeth because my dad and I have the same name, and it's well, quite it, confusing. Interestingly enough, so you know, typically we, you know, like there's like a, you know, you name your kid and their middle name is like a grandfather, um, but <clears throat> because I have the same middle name as my my dad. <clears throat> I didn't want to name any of my kids um, having them with the same middle name. So <clears throat> what we did was is we have two nephews on one on each side. So um, we named the middle name for each kid after after one of our nephews. And one of my nephews is named James, but oh. but Gus came first, and he's the oldest <laughs> nephew. So it got uh, Augustus James Bizworm. It could have been. Frederick James yeah. Bizworm, and then I would have been like, we named him after you. There we go. And that would have been the more truth. There we go. Okay. Yeah. So almost, almost. Woulda, shoulda, coulda, woulda, shoulda, coulda. That's all I'm going to say. Right. Hmm. And then, <laughs> so we didn't plead the fifth on that one. Uh, I guess, like, so some of, if you get Biz talking about the glory days, <laughs> I always hear, and playing with you too, in a few Stegman's games, you have this tenacity about you so and you know you like going in hard on tackles what's the worst thing you've ever done on the soccer field like warranting a red card or like what's like the what's something your mother would not be proud hearing you do on the soccer field because we've all had those moments like when i spit in nick, Huck, nick hutton's face by <laughs> and or pardon me not nick his brother mike and then mike proceeded who was like an ex us whatever navy seal um proceeded to almost kick my ass on the field but uh yeah what's a what's the worst thing you've ever done on the soccer field okay so um this oh man 
<laughs> yeah right this is a pretty good one it's, it's a really good one so it, it's it's kind of it, it's it's a little bit hard to believe but um <laughs> it, it sticks with me forever because my parents actually were there so um so when i was kind of coming through the bavarian club um you know as i was like 16 17 um and then into you know when i hit 18 right before i moved on you know to my my post high school career um I would, would repeatedly like get called into the first team with the Bavarians, but they also had the reserve team, which was very much so like your, you know, like your, your 35 year old guy, like men's league type soccer. And I would always be the youngest guy and my, my coach played on it. So he would, um, you know, repeatedly call me in and be like, Hey, we're, we're short guys. I have your player pass, you know, here's when the game is, can you make it? And, and me wanting to play soccer all the time. Obviously I was like, I always said yes. So, oh, yeah. so we're playing against this team um, that was primarily like mostly Hungarian guys, um, and they were all like pretty old. And I'm talking like probably in their 40s. So, like, um, so anyways, I, the game kind of starts. I'm I'm playing my typical number six, and they have this this like huge forward, probably about your size, and he's just like being a bastard, like stepping on my feet, kicking me after I get the ball, like after I make a pass, and I just got like so pissed off. Because I was like, this dude's pulling all the old man tricks on me, and I I can get around him easily. But he, every time I like release a ball, he kicks me. Yeah. And I was like, so at halftime, I was kind of talking to one of the other guys, and I was like, if that fucking guy does that again, I'm just gonna next time I get him in my crosshairs, I'm just gonna railroad this guy. So second half whistle blows, like two minutes in, there's a ball kind of gets played over the top and into him, and he's kind of like lumbering to chase it down. And as the ball bounces, I, I leave my feet and I go straight into the guy's thighs and I just like, just destroy this guy. And I, he's very hurt. Like I, I, I and I, cause I, I mean, it kind of hurt me to hit him that hard, but cause I was half his size, but I was like, oh my God, like I really hurt this guy. So then all of a sudden, like he, he's not moving much, you know, he's, 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 He's awake. Biz, 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 biz killed a guy. <laughs> Almost. So he's awake, and I'm like, okay, so at least he's moving. Great. So I kind of, like, walk over, get water. Then I start seeing, like, more of his teammates start coming onto the field, like, over to him. And then I start seeing, like, spectators come over to him. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? So what ended up transpiring was the fact that this guy actually had a colostomy bag. No. Oh, and, no. and it was tucked into his shorts and because he was so big and his like jersey was so big, like you didn't see it. I mean, it's like late 90s, so you're not yeah. wearing a ton of form fitting gear. So no. when I when I went in on him, I actually had cleated his thigh and got a piece of the bag and I, I broke the bag open and it had ripped out of his the, the port in his stomach. So they had, oh my god! <laughs> so so they had to call the they had to call an ambulance to get this guy out of there, and my my coach like the right thing to do was to like sub me off so that someone didn't retaliate. But so I, I spent you. the rest yeah. of the second half on the sideline with just like under the ire of all these Hungarian people, <laughs> and and then we get in the car and my mom is like you should be ashamed of yourself. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, I was like, I didn't know the guy, the had a, I didn't know the guy had a colostomy bag. Like, why is he playing, playing sports? Like, why is he, when, why is he playing like such an asshole? Right. Exactly. Yeah. It was one of those First. guys who couldn't turn it off. 
and then he's 40 yeah. years old, and and then I just I equalized it, and I almost killed the guy. <laughs> and, and so first off is is like he was an asshole, and then the second thing is is where's his doctor, and why is the doctor letting him play soccer with the Gloucester? Like there should be like <clears throat> I, I feel like if you're running around with that, there should be better protection for that thing because he that, that's no bueno. Right. That's. That's pretty. That's a. That's pretty bad. <laughs> I know, and they kind of like yeah. pull it all together. So I go back um, every now and then, and I play in kind of like a not an alumni game, but there's every, every now and then I'm in Milwaukee, and I've always got a pair of cleats in my car. So I get a I get a text from one of my old teammates. He's like, "Hey, you know, it's a nice day out. Um, you know, it's probably like six years ago. So like, it's a nice day out. We're uh, probably gonna go kick around at the club if you want to come, and then get some beers and dinner afterwards." And I so. I've, cleared it with my family and went, went over there and played. And, and then as soon as I walk on walk into the stadium, no. I, I walk in no. and no, the guy's not there. Oh. Uh, I, oh, I, oh, I, oh. I walk in and one of the older guys who on, who's now probably in, in his early fifties was there with, uh, cause the youth practice was coming off and he, and he goes, Hey, how you doing, man? I'm like, good. And he's like, he's like, hey. And he like grabs another guy. He's like, this is uh, shit shoes that I was telling you about. Shit. So they, they started calling me shit shoes because I cleated the guy's colostomy bag. That's awesome. Yeah. And this was like, I'm dec- like almost two dec- or a decade later for sure. Johnny shit shoes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Johnny shit shoes. That's my new nickname. That's awesome. So I'm surprised we haven't gotten you that out. That's of a great story. Well, that's an awesome story. You yeah. just got to ask. You just got to ask John anything. Oh, apparently. Wow. There you go. Well, yeah. well, yeah. So, so yeah. So that, that is to, to end it. That is the worst thing I've ever done in a soccer field. And I've done some pretty shitty stuff. No pun intended, we all have. but we, we, we all have, we all have. <laughs> oh my God. So, um, so yeah, there you go. <laughs> James, thank you uh, so much for joining us. We miss you a ton around here, man. Uh, but we are happy to hear that things are really going well for you down in Chicago. And we look forward, of course, to hopefully being able to see you in a couple weeks when we're going to crash at your place uh, during the Crow Takeover. The Crow Takeover is more than welcome to fit into my one bedroom, like 600 square foot apartment in Chicago. For sure. I'm down. No, I, in all honesty, I can't. Thank you for having me guys. It's always a pleasure to talk to you guys. And I can't wait for that game, man. I, I'm kids. We're going to have to text me some updates and I'm going to bring some people and we'll, we'll, we'll get the party. Riling. Well, right. As of now, the game is still on. Done. So that's, I don't, I just got on Twitter before we were talking and the NBA just canceled. So let's cross yep. our fingers. Well, I think it, it, worst case scenario, obviously canceled. Um, but probably there, there, there may be like a behind closed doors type situation. So we'll, we'll keep you, we'll keep you in the loop, but I, I, I don't think they're uh, intending for there to be thousands of people coming to this game. So <laughs> I think we might be okay, but I'll definitely let, let you know when, uh, when we get all the logistics. Perfect guys. <clears throat> Looking forward to it. Either way, I'll, I'll be out there representing. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Thanks a lot, James. It was awesome to catch up with you, buddy. All right. Have a good one, guys. All right, see ya. See ya. Peace. Well, for this week's show, folks, thanks again to Big Game James for hopping on and interrupting his studying for some super important test that I had no clue what he was talking about. <laughs> uh, and thank you, as always, to our show sponsor, Summit Brewing Company. St. Patty's Day is on the horizon, and that means it's my box season. Their classic take on a classic style is easy drinking and packs a powerful punch. It's starting to pop up around town, so if you see it at your local liquor, liquor store or on tap at your favorite swig house, Go ahead and swig it. 
don't share it, swig it. <laughs> Summit, a more meaningful brew since 1986. If giving back to the community means a lot to you, maybe it's time to give to the club that loves to give back. Minneapolis City is a 501c3 that provides a safe, reliable, and a fun environment for young people to play the beautiful game. Look for us this offseason, hosting play events in partnership with community centers around the city, and consider a tax-deductible donation to a truly city-focused organization. Folks, if you dragged your feet, many uh, memberships have now gone up to full price. But regardless, it's never a bad time to become a Minneapolis City member. For the same price as two and a third barrels of crude oil, $80 allows you to support the club and get some cool stuff in return. You can get an exclusive membership scarf, membership card that gets you 10% off of the club shop and deals it on Summit at, your official, at our official game day bar, Palmer's. Plus, you get to vote on important club matters, including selecting the membership board and choosing scarf and kit designs. Visit Minneapolis City, sorry, visit MBLSCitySC.com and make it happen. Do you have anything you want us to cover in the offseason? Any hard-hitting exposés you've been hoping we'd undertake? You're running out of time. Inter- maybe some more interviews like uh, like Big Game James, some Where Are They Now segments. Uh, you better hurry because we're getting real close to switching gears to season mode. So send us mail. It's easy. Hit us up on Twitter at The People's Pitch or through email, mcscpodcast at gmail.com. All questions, comments, and concerns are welcome. And finally, as always, you can hit up the club to complain at MPLS City SC. That that does it for this week. I am John. That was James and that was Nate. Soccer is almost in full swing. So we'll be back soon with news about our UPSL team selection announcements, the US Open Cup match in two weeks, and much more. And you got hooked. Johnny shit shoes. <laughs> Post-diverted maple weeds, cradle major keys Thinking back, I've been major since the minor leagues So supreme, too much sauce Off my olive NMDs I could staple steez, bend the goat So I'd get the cheese, never fall Rake them leaves and make sure every moment gets seized And everything I see is mixed